You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there. Plenty to get to ahead on this hump day edition of Locked On Cougars. Going to answer a question that was posed to me over the weekend by a family member about BYU and their facility upgrades they're undergoing currently. We'll examine that. We'll also talk about the 1939 BYU football program and our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. And of course, we'll catch you guys up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Wednesday. Some good news on the football front for a former Cougar finding a new landing spot in the transfer portal. We'll get to all of that ahead on today's show. It's all brought to you today in part by our good friends with the Locked On Today podcast. Today they're discussing why is it Tim Tebow time in Jacksonville? Ooh, should be a juicy one there. Get more of the sports news you'd need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's dive in on a Wednesday and have some fun. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 12th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. And of course, we are your daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. Hope you all are doing great on a Wednesday. But a reminder for you guys, if you're just joining us for the first time ever, make sure to hit that follow button. Hopefully you find this of a product that you enjoy listening to. We are here for you guys every single day, endeavoring to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room. And the way we do that is for you guys to make sure you join us. So hit that follow button wherever you're listening in from, whatever podcast provider you found us on. That way it populates in your feed. And right then you can listen to it and be caught up. Uh, a lot of people, just for example, I have people tell me they listen to me when they work out. There are people who listen to these podcasts when they're commuting to and from work. If you're a person that still commutes like myself, if you also are a guy who just happens to hang out around the house and wants to kill some time, we're happy to be along for the ride in that respect. And you can really simply listen to this podcast. All you need to do is tell your smart device, play podcast Locked On Cougars or play the Locked On Cougars podcast, depending on which device you have. And magically... We'll be right there for you guys. All right, getting going here on a Wednesday. Let's talk a little bit about a question that was posed to me over the weekend by a family member. And I was spending time with my mom on Mother's Day, as many people do. And I was talking with my brothers about BYU sports. And the question came up and said, okay, Jake, why is BYU upgrading the facilities, the locker rooms in particular, the student athlete building in Provo right now among all times to do it? Well, it's an interesting question because the the secondary question that came up from that from another family member of mine was, well, didn't they just announce they were $20 million in the hole and why are they going and just spending this money willy-nilly? Now, I had to correct some people, and I know many of you out there probably already correcting my family member in your head or out loud, saying that was not the point of that $20 million shortfall, the all-in campaign that BYU did. I think it raised over $15 million. might have been closer to the $20 million mark that they were looking for, but just a pretty marvelous venture all the way around. But the good news is, is both the stadium upgrades with the new screens and sound system, as well as the new locker room in the student-athlete building, have been paid for for outside of those funds that BYU raises part of the all-in campaign. So if that's news to you guys, 
There you go. These are not projects being undertaken with all that money that BYU raised during the winter months. The all-in campaign essentially is going to cover BYU's rear end for all the losses they endured due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And BYU is a much better off than many other athletic departments found themselves coming out of it. Now, on to the topic at hand, though. The, the question was posed to me about those new upgrades. Why is BYU upgrading the student-athlete building locker room at this time? Well, let's go back just a little bit. And if you guys watched the video announcing the upgrades that BYU is doing to the student-athlete building locker room, Tom Homo indicated that when the building was built, so the student-athlete building in this circumstance, when it was built, like most facilities at BYU these days and pretty much throughout their entire history, when the building is built, yes, there are donors who foot the bill for the actual physical construction of the building, but they also raise the funds to put into an endowment which pays for the ongoing upkeep in perpetuity for that facility. So the student-athlete building, yes, it costs millions of dollars to build, but there are additional millions of dollars put into an endowment fund, which the proceeds or the interest that's drawn off of that pays for everything going on with the student-athlete building. BYU's locker room in the student-athlete building was in severe need of an upgrade if you want to keep up with the quote-unquote Joneses when it comes to college football. Now, BYU will never be the most ostentatious locker room in America. They're not going to be LSU, as we saw a couple years ago, had sleep pods and Clemson, who has a slide, all that stuff. BYU will do a good job. I'm sure it'll look fantastic. The players will enjoy having it. But BYU has to be very smart about how they go out spending this money. The endowment fund for the student-athlete building eventually built up enough of a reserve that BYU could go forward with these upgrades. I think it's a marvelous thing. It is going to help BYU in many, many facets. It's going to keep current players happy. It is going to help recruiting efforts when student-athletes uh, prospective student-athletes, I should say, or recruits come to campus, which will be happening next month, by the way, and talking with a staff member down there at BYU. Uh, BYU, and this might be news to you guys, is planning on having at least one student-athlete on campus every other day throughout the month of June. Think about that. There are 30 days in June, and they're planning on at least one athlete every other day, if not every single day, checking out the facilities once the NCAA allows those visits to occur. Occur. Well, obviously, BYU will be in the middle of those upgrades for the student-athlete building locker room, but they can show these prospective student-athletes the plans, kind of a rendering of what they're going to look like. This is a big-time upgrade for BYU. It's been a long time coming. There are many people out there probably crowing. You might be doing it yourself saying, well, Jake, they need to upgrade the locker rooms at the stadium. Yes, I agree at the stadium. There's a lot needs to happen at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in terms of upgrades. They've done a good job at the upkeep of it, but there's still plenty more to be done. But the good news is there are positive steps being taken to keep BYU facilities world-class. That is the good news. BYU understands, you know what? Yeah, we're not going to go out and blow out the budget to have the best and brightest and the absolute biggest, best things out there. But BYU is very smart and calculated in how they go about this. All the projects they haven't uh, have taken under are uh, undertaken, excuse me, that recently the facility upgrades with the student athlete building locker room, the stadium uh, scoreboards all been paid for before work was begun. That's the thing with BYU. They don't go out and take on debt to do projects. They pay for the projects up front in cash. And 
cash is a relative term, but the projects are paid for before work begins. And it's actually a very kind of innovative way that BYU goes about things in the college athletics world. Think about some of these other college athletic departments. The University of California at Berkeley, UC Berkeley, or the Cal Golden Bears, do you guys know that they have a like a 60-year mortgage on their stadium that essentially the way things are going, they may never pay it off. BYU is not about that, and BYU does it the right way. That is why BYU, yeah, they lost $20 million during the COVID-19 pandemic, but they actually made out better than many other athletic departments because they run such a tight ship. They handle things the right way, and like I said, they, they raise the funds. They have things taken care of before work actually begins, before the shovels hit the dirt, in essence. BYU has it paid for, and that is the way that things should be done in everyday life and in college athletics especially, but sadly, BYU is in severe minority when it comes to things like this, but I got to tip my cap to Tom Homo and the BYU Athletic Department. They're doing things the right way. These upgrades are much needed. They're coming at a pretty critical time. BYU coming off that 2020 season, you want to have that bump in recruiting? Well, having a new shiny locker room to use as a showpiece when student-athletes, prospective student-athletes or, or transfers, whatever it might be, come to campus, having that to show off to them, it doesn't hurt. So that's a great, great thing. And hopefully I answered my family member's question uh, satisfactorily. And hopefully you guys learned something from it as well. But the good news is BYU is putting the quote-unquote money where their mouth is. And those upgrades are on their way. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to talk a little bit more about BYU football. But we're going to go back in the history books as we've done for the past month or so. Looking back at 1939, finishing out the second decade of BYU football in our countdown. Looking ahead to the 1940s, what did we learn about the 1939 team? They overachieved according to the records that I found. We'll talk about more of that in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar, guys. Built Bars are the best tasting protein bars, and I mean that sincerely. I have had hundreds of protein bars in my life. I feel like I've tried every single one of them, and when I had a Built Bar for the first time, it was like, holy smokes, this cannot be a protein bar. They taste legitimately like a candy bar. I crave Built Bars. I have never craved a protein bar in my entire Entire life. Built Bar has nine regular flavors plus occasional limited time flavors as well. And some of them are absolutely incredible. All of them are incredible, let's be clear. But some of them are a little more incredible than others. I love the coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and the peanut butter brownie amongst the regular nine. But there are other ones that come out. The coconut brownie crumble, the all-time, the goat. They won the bracket challenge that Built Bar ran during the month of March. It is the best protein bar I have ever had. And I've had, like I said, thousands of them, I feel like, in my life. Give them a shot, guys. They're incredibly healthy. Most of these bars are 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and by the way, only 4 grams of net carbs. They are a perfect complement for the keto diet, for the health-conscious guy or gal, no matter what you're looking to do. They're high-protein, high-fiber, low-sugar, low-calories. Take advantage of our offer now. Go to BuiltBar.com, place your order, and while you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. You heard that right. 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com using the promo code LOCKED15. And start enjoying the best-tasting protein bars anywhere with our good friends at Built Bar. 
We are approaching the end of the third decade of BYU football that we've examined here on the Locked On Cougars podcast as part of our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown, four seasons in the 1890s, eight seasons in the 1920s, and we've had an entire decade in the 1930s that we have examined over the previous month or so as we have talked about the BYU football program throughout its history. We have gone through four different head coaches at this point. Eddie Kimball in 1939 was entering his third season at the helm of the BYU football program. Graduated the first All-American on record that I could find from last year's team in Von Tuffy uh, Lloyd. And also had a number of all-conference honorees leave. And BYU entering 1939, folks, was considered to be a team that was going to very much take a step back. Had a very, very young squad. Only three seniors, if I recall correctly, looking at the records going into 1939. And many thought that the Cougars were going to be the bottom feeders in the Mountain States Conference. Once again, this was the second year for BYU in this new conference. It was formed in 1938. But BYU, to the their credit came out and was a lot better than many expected. Overall on the season under Coach Kimball's direction, BYU finished 5-2-2 on the year. In conference play, they were 2-2-2. And let's break down how things went. They opened up at Arizona State Flagstaff, which is now known as Northern Arizona. They're in Flagstaff, Arizona. They shut out the Lumberjacks 25-0. They returned home to take on Colorado A&M, which is now Colorado State, in their first conference game and won a thriller 13-12. Then once again, as is tradition here in this early run, of the rivalry against Utah. BYU hosted the Utes in Provo, had nearly 10,000 fans on hand, but BYU was beaten 35-13. to So BYU sits a 2-1 through the first three games of their season. Then they reeled off three straight wins. They went to Nevada, beat the Wolfpack 7-0. Went to Colorado State Greeley in Greeley, Colorado, won 18-6. Oh, and by the way, uh, played three other uh, road games down the stretch here. At Denver, won that game 21-18. And then in November, they went to Utah State to round out a four straight game road trip at Utah State, tied 0-0 against the Aggies. No team able to break the deadlock. And then BYU finishes up the year against Colorado in Provo, losing 12-6. And then ties at Wyoming in Laramie, 7-7, bringing us to that 5-2-2 record. 2-2-2 in conference play. Obviously, the ties at Utah State and at Wyoming. The losses to Colorado and Utah. But the wins over Denver and Colorado State put BYU firmly in the middle of the conference in fourth place. The Buffaloes won the conference with a 5-1 conference record. Utah was in second place with a 4-1-1 record. And Denver, by virtue of playing one more conference game and winning it, finished in third place. But BYU, like I mentioned, was picked in the lead-up to the 1939 season to be the bottom feeder ends up finishing in the middle of the conference that's an overachievement for Eddie Kimball really really good season all the way around for BYU and they did have more all-conference honorees on this squad so run down the names for you guys BYU had co-captains Wayne Reeve and Fred Bateman both of them standout offensive linemen for the Cougars in 1939 named to the all-mountain states conference team as well as Lloyd Brink and Art Gilbert, a fellow offensive lineman, speaking of Gilbert, receiving all-conference honors as well. Uh, Brink was a halfback and fullback for the Cougars, a senior out of Kaysville, Utah. 
funny enough, there's one guy that was not mentioned on the all-conference teams that I could find that probably should have been, considering he was BYU's best offensive weapon, and that was left halfback, or, excuse me, left halfback George Wing. He was BYU's best option on offense, reading through BYU's Banyan, had him mentioned multiple times in BYU's games that season, and for whatever reason, him being an underclassman probably played a role in this, because in this day and age of college football, if you go way back, upperclassmen, juniors, and mostly seniors were the players who received all-conference honors. Think of it as more of like a career achievement award rather than an achievement for that individual season, which we see more of now. It's what it should be, honestly, by the way. It should be representative of that season. I'm not a huge fan of guys who have a lackluster season after not winning an award after a standout season, and then voters feel like, man, we got to give them that award. It's got to be a, that career achievement. They, they deserve it because of what they did. You know what? You vote on the season at hand, and sometimes guys fall off a little bit. But nonetheless, BYU had a pretty successful year as they rounded out the 1930s under Eddie Kimball. I think this was actually a really good breakthrough for BYU because, as I mentioned, if you read it in the newspapers in the lead-up to this season, kind of the, the projections for this Cougar squad, a lot of underclassmen, as I mentioned, a very big junior and sophomore class as well as a pretty big freshman class. Freshman football was still a thing at this point, but BYU was thought to be a team that was very much in rebuild mode, but Eddie Kimball went out and helped the Cougars, well, led the Cougars as they shocked the world or shocked the Mountain State's conference football standings, finishing firmly in the middle in fourth place amongst that big seven. And some good things all the way around for the Cougars, no doubt about it. Obviously, as we turn towards 1940, this will be an era that is disrupted by World War II. The Cougars did play a season in 1940 and 1941, but then it took some time off. And we'll explain more about that coming up on tomorrow's podcast as we examine 1940 for the Cougars. They open a new era, a new decade of football, but obviously war is on the horizon. The war in Europe is already going with World War II. The United States dragged in 1941. We'll continue to dig into this because Eddie Kimball was swept up in this. He eventually left BYU for a time to serve in the U.S. Army during the conflict. And we'll talk more about this over the coming days and weeks. But I think some things came out of that era for BYU that really set the framework for them to finally break through. And by the way, they're finally going to break through and beat Utah. That's the good news. We're going to talk about that upcoming as well. So some really good things on the way for BYU, and we'll continue to talk about them in the coming days. And hopefully you guys are enjoying this project as much as I enjoy bringing it to you. It really does make my day that much better when I get to sit down, start combing through records, start looking at how things went in different seasons. And I know some of you, and by the way, uh, many of you said, wake me up when we get to the 1970s, Jake. And I get that. You want to talk about the Lavelle Edwards era. That's how many people became BYU fans. But you know what? We'll go all the way up through 2020 as we continue to count you down towards the football season. It's 118 days away from today, maybe 117. Nonetheless, it's on its way. And our way to get you guys ready for it is to look back before we look forward to 2021. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll catch you guys up on a bevy of other BYU sports news we need to touch on. Former BYU defensive lineman Darius McFarland has found a new home to play football. We'll obviously break that down. We'll talk about that transfer. Two uh, transfer portal targets for the BYU basketball program have BYU among their finalists. We'll talk about all of that in just a minute. 
Today's podcast is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball is in full swing. You can track all of their action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action as well. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of their great sporting news as well as contest information. The web address betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game, folks, as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs, particularly in the NBA and the NHL. Also, right now, you can get a 50% welcome bonus by using the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit. You heard that right. Free money from Bet Online. They want to help you guys out and have some fun in the sports betting world. Take advantage of it now. That's 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag using the promo code Locked On. It's all courtesy of Bet Online. You're online sportsbook experts. All right, friends, before we go here on a Wednesday, let's get you guys caught up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Wednesday edition of the podcast. Let's start off with the transfer portal. Ongoing, the BYU basketball program is just spending hour after hour, it feels like, combing the transfer portal, reaching out to prospects, hoping to bring in some talented players. It appears that BYU is closing in on at least two who have BYU as their finalists. And let's be clear, this has happened before with BYU. They've had other guys who have had BYU in their finalist group, Isaiah Brockington, most recently before he picked Indiana. But BYU does have two guys who are expected to announce their next destination in the near-term future. One of them is Illinois State transfer Dusan Mahorchich, who we've talked about here on this podcast. Six foot ten big man out of Illinois State, formerly a junior college prospect. He would have two years of eligibility remaining at BYU. He has a finalist group of Penn State, Texas, and Virginia Tech alongside BYU. So power six teams when it comes to college basketball. And then BYU is a member of the West Coast Conference. BYU would do well to land Mahorchich, I feel like. Really be a fantastic addition to help bolster BYU's front line. Also BYU in the mix for Tijon Lucas, former Milwaukee transfer actually by way of Illinois. He's transferred twice already in his career. He would be a sixth-year senior with only one year of eligibility. He has listed BYU, Utah, DePaul, Nevada, and New Mexico State as his final five. Tijon Lucas, a high-scoring guard, more of a wing player, averaged 14.9 points, 5.8 assists, and 4.6 rebounds on 39% shooting. By the way, the number that really kind of hurts is 28% from three-point land. Obviously, BYU, they can see an uptick in that number, but hey, if it picks BYU, you would expect BYU would coach him up and hopefully get him shooting at a higher clip. But the good news is BYU continues to work in the transfer portal. I've had other people reach out to me recently and say, Jake, is BYU ever going to get anybody in the transfer portal? Be patient. They will. Uh, the biggest thing is I think the BYU staff, especially with the transfer rule changing where all these student-athletes are immediately eligible, they're really going to see an influx of guys continue to enter the portal if they don't feel like their situation is right for them. And I think BYU absolutely will find the right guys for them. One other guy that's purportedly in the mix uh, BYU-wise is Booth Gotch, the former transfer from the University of Utah, went to Minnesota for a quick pit stop it felt like in his home state. Now he's re-entered the transfer portal. Could be a guy that BYU pursues once again. Speaking of Booth Gotch, to so keep an eye on him. Another note on the basketball front is congratulations to former BYU star guard Elijah Bryant. He's leaving Maccabi Tel Aviv with the Euro League and coming over stateside. Expected to sign a two-year contract with the Milwaukee Bucks to join the Bucks in the lead-up to the playoffs here. I think that's a fantastic, fantastic development 
for Elijah Bryant. I hope it works out for him. I hope they can get the buyout in place. He does not have a buyout currently in his deal with Maccabee Tel Aviv. Obviously, that would need to be negotiated before he can be released and come over to the United States. But it sounds like it's well underway. And the good news is I think we're going to hear an official announcement, hopefully, in the near future as Elijah Bryant finally makes good on his bet on himself. Playing overseas, always believed he would come home and play in the NBA. And it looks like the Bucks are set to give him that shot. Another note we need to touch on is BYU football transfer portal target-wise. Well, not a target, but a former BYU football player, Darius McFarland, he has transferred, announced that he is going to head to Utah State. Uh, McFarland played at Box Elder High School in Tremont, Utah. So Utah State is in his proverbial backyard. Pretty natural landing spot for a young man of his caliber. Formerly a three-star prospect out of Box Elder. Had stints at both defensive line as well as tight end for BYU. Never really was able to get things going was married to BYU star softball player Riley Jensen as well. So hopefully Darius McFarland can go up to Logan and find the right spot for him and contribute under Blake Anderson, their new head coach, and want to wish him nothing but the best as he moves forward with his playing career. All right, one final note here, uh, actually on the Riley Jensen front, is BYU women's softball. They closed out their regular season in Logan, Utah at Johnson Field, Blanking Utah State 4-0. Autumn Moffat Korth uh, led BYU from the diamond, uh, led BYU from the pitcher's mound, struck out nine batters for the fifth time this season. Hunter Ava had a two RBI single off the wall in left center, giving BYU the 2-0 lead. And then back-to-back home runs from Marissa Chavez and Alyssa Podhurachak put BYU up 4-0, which ended up being the final tally. BYU will host a blue and white scrimmage to honor this year's seniors on Friday. If you'd like to go to that, it's a 5 o'clock Mountain Time out there at Gale Miller Field, and then BYU awaits its NCAA tournament seed in regional location. That happens Sunday at 5 o'clock Mountain Time on ESPN2. Expecting BYU to probably be a 3 seed, 2 seed at the very best, but more likely a 3 seed in whichever regional they're drafted into, but hopefully BYU can go out for the 12th consecutive year and have a good showing there at regionals. The one thing that really has kind of bugged BYU fans, if you're a softball fan, is that BYU has been to 12 straight regionals, only one Super Regional in that time, and no College World Series appearances in that time. You'd like to break that hex at some point. Uh, Speaking of BYU softball, maybe this is the year. We'll find out. But Riley Jensen leading the way and the rest of the BYU women's softball team hoping to have a flourish as they finish out their season in style. All right, that is going to do it here on a Wednesday. You're up to speed on everything you need to know about BYU as far as I can tell. If something I missed, you know what? That's why we do another podcast on Thursday. We'll have it for you guys. Also talking about 1940 and BYU history. BYU football history is what I should say. Also, it's a Twitter Thursday. If you guys have questions you'd like to have answered on the podcast, please send them in. Search us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at LockedOnCougars. My personal Twitter feed is Jacob C. Hatch. You can reach out on either of those, or feel free to email the show. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address you can reach out to us. Be happy to field your questions and give you the best answer I possibly can muster, even if it might not be the one you like. All right, that'll do it for a Wednesday. We'll talk to you guys again on a Thursday. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 12th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.